For those of you that are guests or haven't been, weren't with us last week, like Brian said, we are in the, in the middle of a series, and uh, we started last week. It's called Loving Generously. We did have the opportunity last year to begin that series. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit odder than what we usually do, so I don't always just necessarily speak to you, but there will be a little bit of participation. So, Scott, I may come over here and I may say, hey, Scott, Wyatt, you know, what do you think about that? And you, you think it's great. So, you know, we'll have a conversation back and forth. You'll have a chance to participate. It's a little bit risky on our part, but I tell you what, when you see what we're watching and what we're talking about, I think it bears an opportunity for us to discuss because sometimes there's an awful lot of stuff that starts happening in our mind as we start seeing and, and the tensions start coming because God's speaking to us and we're starting to see some things and we're like going, man, I'm really missing out because there's some things that I'm not doing or some things that I should be doing that I'm not doing or some things that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing. And as we watch these videos and as we walk through this, our prayer is that we would learn to not only live more generously but love more generously as Jesus did. Um, and so last week, if you remember, we, we started out and there was a passage of scripture that, that Ray shared. They had gone by to visit Ray, um, Frank and, and Cassie, the Donovans, and we sort of we sort of are walking through the eyes of a family called the Donovan family, Frank and Cassie and his, and his children and their children. And last week, Frank and Cassie uh, had an idea that they're going to host a benefit for the soup kitchen. So they go by to see Ray, a, a gardener friend of theirs, who was very involved at the soup kitchen. And it was in that uh, encounter with them that, that Ray mentions a passage of Scripture. And I wanted to read that passage to you today just to sort of reflect just briefly. That passage of scripture was found in the New Testament in the book of, in the book of Luke, and this is what, this is what it, it read. Then he turned to his host, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, and relatives, and rich neighbors, for they'll invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. And we summarized that passage of Scripture by saying last week, how many of us end up spending all of our time with people that have something that they can give us back in return, or they can do something for us? But what he's saying here is it's something different that happens when we begin to serve people or invite people to the table that don't have anything that they can pay us back with. They don't have anything that they can give us in return. There's something that takes place. And then what we did is we went back and we, we looked at some passages of Scripture that, that talked to us about some of the people that Jesus himself embraced. And we saw that Jesus embraced lots of people that many other people turned, turned away. Um, and, and it made us sort of just sort of contemplate in our own lives you know, if, if this is how Jesus chose to live, and if these are people that Jesus invited into his life, shouldn't we also invite those into our lives? You know, why do we have a tendency to overlook and devalue people that Jesus himself said had value and worth? And then we learned last week also that loving generously is a whole lot more than writing a check. You know, sometimes it's easy to write a check. 
It's a different thing to invite somebody into your life, to make your life available to them. Um, and when we love that way, we learn that, that uh, the Scripture says that God will reward us, that He will be indebted to us, and that He will pay us. And when we ended up last week, I don't know if you remember, for those of you that were here, but we ended up with them sitting around the table, and in the midst of a conversation, they found out that Julia, one of the girls that was there, had lost her place to stay. Do you remember that? And Cassie said, we've got an extra room at the house. You have to come stay with us. Let's pick up the video, this little clip. how long it had been since we've used this room. We'll get the cleaners to come by tomorrow. No, please don't do that. I can clean it. And we'll get some new furniture this weekend, as long as you don't mind using the little bed until then. Oh, please, that's great. Honestly, I'd really rather you didn't buy new furniture just for me. Well, at least let me look around the house and find some stuff that we're not using. I know it's only temporary, but I want it to feel like home. Sure. <laughs> Great. Come on. It'll be fun. All right. You're not addressing the ball properly. How exactly should I address it? Your Majesty? Flattery never hurts. <laughs> if you're serious about learning this game, I would not be listening to this man. Hey! Ray, this is Mark Silva. Mark and his wife were some of our first friends here at the club. Oh, nice to meet you. Yeah, that was crazy last night, wasn't it? We thought the club had double-booked the room or something. Yeah, it was a little hectic at first, but I thought it turned out great. Did you meet anybody interesting? <laughs> yeah. If you can't go to the circus, just bring the circus to you, right? That was a little awkward. Maybe he just needs a little help uh, learning a new stroke. In the meantime, we should really try to get all the circus clowns back together again sometime. <laughs> Okay, that was all sand, right? Okay. It's a start. I didn't realize I was checking into the Hilton. Please. I could make a pile ten times this size just with stuff we haven't used in years. <laughs> you know that verse that says if you want to be perfect, sell everything and give it to the poor? Some days that sounds so perfect to me. Well, thank you for letting me use some of it for a little while. Hey, what's this? That, my dear, is exactly what I'm talking about. That's a watch winder. A what? A watch winder. You put your watch in there and it keeps it wound. Isn't that what a battery's for? Not if you have a fancy watch that doesn't use a battery. Then you have to wind it manually. So, so this is... To, to keep you from winding it manually. <laughs> well, I don't think I'll be needing that. <laughs> Trust me, neither do we. <laughs> What is it that they say, the stuff you own ends up owning you? Hopefully we're a little better about how we spend our money. Our time, on the other hand. Hey, Mom, I'm going over to Drew's. Hey, Evan, I want you to meet, oh. <laughs> you know, in my neighborhood, if we have stuff we don't need, we just have a yard sale. That sounds like fun. Yeah, imagine how that would go over with the neighbors. Hey. 
have you seen Evan? Oh, hey, Julia. Hi. Oh, wow, I forgot about all this stuff down here. Hey. Hey. You know how we're always talking about simplifying? Yeah? Julia just had a really interesting idea. Hey, buddy, what you got there? Hey, how much is that? Uh, let me see, it says 75, but I don't know how to get it out of here. Would you do 30? Also, the monkey comes off if you don't need a lamp or... Need more? Got a pair. Yes, that looks nice. Well, I guess Victoria's not in the shopping mood. Well, look who's having another party. Hey. 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 What's going on here? A yard sale. We're trying to downsize a little. Huh. You're welcome to take a look around. We can cut you a special deal. Are those some of the same people from the soup kitchen again? Yeah. Oh, you mean the circus? Allison, hey, guy. Hey. You want to meet Julia? Sure! Oh, sweetie. <laughs> I don't think that's such a good idea. I mean, they have company. Are you sure you guys don't want to stay for a while? Uh, well, we do need to get together, but maybe when things aren't as crazy for you guys. So, uh, hey, good luck with your yard sale. Okay, this is the last of it right here. Oh, Frank, uh, you didn't sell all your possessions. But it's a start. Good. Give it to the soup kitchen. Hey, Mom. What do you want me to do with this? Oh, please don't tell me that didn't sell. No. <laughs> Great. <laughs> hey, so my mom says you got kicked out of your apartment or something? Megan. No, it's okay. Uh, it wasn't really my apartment. What do you mean? I made some really bad choices when I was your age, and then I, I made some worse choices to deal with my earlier mistakes. Um, there was a man who said if I worked for him and did what he asked me to do, he would give me a place to stay and take care of me. So why'd he kick you out? because I met the most wonderful man in the world. Thomas over there, he helped me find a way out from doing what I was doing. It didn't make this other man very happy. He says I owe him a lot of money and he's getting aggressive. So your parents gave me a place to live so he can't keep bothering me. I'm really sorry. Thank you. As much as Soup Kitchen appreciates it, I think we're going to have to turn down this particular donation. We'll say we're going to have to find some other use for those funds. Thomas, can I talk to you for a second? Perfect day, Frank. Perfect day.
This is going to bring on some really good discussion today. But before we have some discussion, let's go back to God's Word. And let's look in the New Testament at a passage of Scripture that's sort of going to help us um, begin some of our discussion today. And let's look in the New Testament in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 19. And I want to read something. I want us to read something together in Matthew chapter 19. In the book of Matthew, first, first book in what we call the New Testament. If you've never, not used to going to church, um, if you've not been raised in the church, basically we have what we call two parts to the Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Matthew would be that first book uh, that we find in the New Testament that talks to us about the life of Jesus. And this is, I want to read this passage to you today as we begin our discussion. And I want to ask you some questions about this that I think are very pointed. I've had the privilege of watching these videos over and over again. And every time I watch them, I get something different out of them. And I, I pray that you just won't watch them here, but you'll go back online and be able to watch them because they're so deep when you have a chance to sit back and to watch them. There are so many things that are inside of them that we have, a, we have the opportunity to miss. But let me read the passage of Scripture here you, that we find in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 through 22. As we talk about the story of a rich young man and a question that he asked Jesus, this is what he said in verse 16. Someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Now that's really not a question that's out of the norm, is it? I mean, Mita, you've had people ask you that question before. What, do I, what is it that I need to do to be saved? And so here's a man that comes to Jesus asking that question. What, do I, what is it that I need to do to have eternal life? What's the secret what is it that I can do? If there's something that I can do to obtain it, to earn it, then what is it that I need to do? And look at what he says in verse 17, how, how Jesus responds. Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replies, and make note of this. He says, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, Jesus is saying, well, if you want me to give you something, I'll give you a few things. I'll give you a few things. So he tells them, there's really two different sides to the commandments, the ones that honor the Lord, the ones that honor those relationships, the ones that have to do the relationship with the Lord, the ones that have to do with our relationship with man. So Jesus starts off with the ones that have to do relationship with man. Honor your father and mother, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not lie, do not covet, do not steal. And it was almost like Jesus knows exactly where this guy is going in his thoughts. And look at what he says. Look at what he says here as he follows up. Well, I've obeyed all those commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? In other words, is there something that I'm missing? Because if you tell me what to do, I'll do it because I'm a, I'm a doer. I'll make it happen. Matter of fact, if you'll tell me what to do, I'll show you how committed I am. I'll show you how serious I am about my relation, wanting to have eternal life. If it's a matter of, if it's a matter of 
something that I've got to do. You just tell me, and I'm going to make sure that it, it gets done. And Jesus says something that pierces his heart. And then he says this. If you want to be perfect, and you might want to circle that word perfect. In the Greek, that word is teleos, which means it means completed. It means to be complete. Um, it means to be mature. In other words, since you're a doer and you want to demonstrate your love for me, since you want to demonstrate your love, I want you to, to demonstrate your love for me by doing something. I want you to put your kingdom, uh, my kingdom above your kingdom. I want you to put my will above your will. And I want you to take and sell your possessions. I want you to sell just some of your possessions. Is that what he said? No. What did he say? I mean, I got all that other stuff covered. Man, I, got, I mean, I can, I, I can handle that. I've not murdered anybody, okay? I've honored my father and mother, you know. But now you're telling me that there's something that you want me to do and to demonstrate my love and a maturity in, in this process. You want me to, to give away all of my possessions? That's right. It's not your possessions that I want. It's really your heart that I'm after. And since your possessions happen to come first place in your life, what I want you to do is I want you to empty yourself of your possessions. So I want you to, to sell your possessions, and I want you to give your money to the poor so that you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. See, Jesus knew the condition of his heart, and he knew what, his will, what he was willing to do and what he was willing not to do. Now, listen, this is really funny. Because there's things that all of us in this room are willing to do for Jesus, right? And then there are those things, Jim, that are off limits. Jesus, I'll do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do that. Mm, I don't think I want to do that. But you said you wanted to follow me. Yeah. Give your money to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. And we end up finding just how much that he loved his possessions, didn't we? We knew what took first place because of how we responded to Jesus. Because it says in verse 22, But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many, many possessions. Now don't get nervous. I don't think this has anything to do with you have to go sell all your possessions to follow Jesus. Okay? That's not what he's saying here. But I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't something that every one of us has in our lives that we've put above God. It might be another relationship. It might be belongings. It might be a position. I don't know what it may be. And we read the story and we say to ourselves, can you believe that he would do something like that? I mean, here he is. He's got, he's got it right here. Jesus explains it to him. And I can't believe that he would walk away from eternal life. Yet how many of us are going through the emotions and through the motions of religion and missing out on the relationship?
This is deep. This is deep. I'm reminded of the passage of Scripture that Paul himself spoke. I'm crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Or that old song, Whatever It Takes, in the course of that song says, Lord, whatever it takes to draw closer to you, that's, that's what I'd be willing to do. Whatever it takes to be more like you, that's what I'd be willing to do. Sell houses, sell lands, change dreams, and change my plans. That's what I'd be willing to do. You know the difference between the invitation that the disciples got and that this man here got was there was no difference. They both had the same invitation. Come follow me. Marty, come follow me. That was the same invitation. Come follow me. Leave behind and come follow me. It's the same exact thing that we find here in the, in the story with the rich young ruler. But the rich young ruler left sad. And why? Because there was something that he valued. Something that he wasn't willing to let go of. Something that he had in his hand that he had a grip on, but that which he had a grip on just didn't have a, he didn't have a grip on it, but it had a grip on his, on his heart. Now, with that being said, how would you categorize the Donovan family? Well-to-do, not well-to-do? I mean, for those of you that have followed them and you've seen their home, how would you categorize them as far as livelihood? It's a participation question. Well to do, especially when you see their patio area, right? They're a well-to-do family, and I want you to think about what's happened. We saw in Living Generously that they had learned that there was more to life and that, than it's just the possessions that they had acquired so I want you to think about that just for a second. Let me ask you this question. So here is Cassie being in, um, in, inviting Julia into the home to stay. And when they got to the room um, where Julia was going to stay, what did they find in that room? Lots of stuff. How many of us have rooms with lots of stuff? How many of us have rooms with lots of stuff that's expensive stuff that at one point in time you just had to have because you just couldn't do without? How many of us that have lived in the same place for a long period of time have stuff that you've accumulated that now you trip over? Even though Cassie had enough to outfit Julia's room, um, what did Cassie say that she was going to go out and do that weekend? Do you remember? She was going to go out and buy new furniture. Do you think that Julia cared anything about new furniture? Why? Do what? She just wanted, didn't matter what she stayed. She just was glad to have a roof over her head. There was even a comment about a little bed. Do you remember that? A little bed? I mean, we'll go out and get you some new furniture. 
She even made the comment about the Hilton. You remember that? Yeah. Um, when, you, when you think about some of the things that Julia would have been thankful for, we set a roof over her head. What are some other things that you think that Julia might have been thankful for? Safety. Safety. Support. Support. Companionship. Acceptance. Cassie made the comment, she said, the stuff we, we own can end up owning you. What do you think she was meaning by that statement? The responsibility. You'd have no idea what they're talking about, do you? You have no idea at all what she's talking about, about having all that stuff and all that responsibility to take care of. What else do you think that Cassie might have been saying? That your stuff can end up owning you. What? It, okay, it becomes more important. Gail, you had something? What were you going to say? That's right. You, you end up holding on tightly to those things and not wanting to let it go, so it ends up owning you and directing your, your paths. That's, that's really, that's right. Um, do what? It classifies you. Okay. Okay, that's really good. It it classifies you because it puts you in a in a in a in an area, a group. That's right. How many of you have ever? I mean, I think we can all would all agree that America is a country. Up until this time, has been a country of extra. How many of you ever have ever been in a place? or a scene that you've come to realize that you are really, really blessed. How many of you have ever been in an environment, it's in another country, in a different part of the community, um, in somebody else's house, um, you've participated in serving someplace maybe where somebody had lease, had less, and all of a sudden it dawned on you how blessed you were. Anybody been in a situation like that? Um, somebody from, that's, that's gone on a mission trip, uh, somebody that's been to Nicaragua, share with me just really quickly your first impression of what it was like to see some of the poverty that you experienced day in and day out. Just somebody from Nicaragua that's gone. One person, stand up really quickly and give me your take. Dina? Smell of the air. Smell of the air? And you know that because you were there, weren't you, in 9-11? Hmm. Um, what are some of the extra things in life that we have in our culture that we've come to think and believe and hold on to that are necessities? This sort of prompts some conversation. <laughs> okay, we got a cell phone. Somebody, do we have two? <clears throat> I've got a three, all right? What are some other things in life that, we've, that we deem that are necessary 
and yet we've come to say that you have to have them. They're, they're necessities instead of, what else? What do you say, Wes? Certain, type clothing, certain, certain types of clothing. Certain vehicles, certain wait, 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 you're talking. <laughs> Wait, because I want to stop you, because you're saying certain. Who said a vehicle was a necessity? Who said two pairs of clothes were a necessity? Who said shoes were a necessity? Microwave oven? Electricity? Air conditioning? In <laughs> bathroom period. I've been in some bathrooms in Nicaragua. I thought I was falling through the floor. <laughs> Running water. Clean water. What else? What? Loved ones? Think about all the things that we've come to believe in our culture that are necessities that are not necessities. Do what? Great, listen, great comment, great comment, because Rob and I were talking the other day. Rob Sullivan was in Africa, and Rob said he was uh, on a mission trip, and, uh, and on that mission trip, there wasn't enough food for people to eat. Um, that Their normal practice was they got one meal a day if they got a meal a day. Now he got three meals a day. But the people there ate one meal. I remember Meredith and I were in Jamaica one time and we were doing some work up in the mountains. And uh, we saw on the way up the on the way up the mountain, um, we saw this guy going down on a donkey. And I'm thinking, where in the world is he going on a donkey? He's in the middle of nowhere. And so we made it up to where we were doing some vacation Bible school stuff. And that, that, that night, uh, or late, late that afternoon, the ladies were cooking. And here comes that guy. And lo and behold, he's got this block of ice in this leather bag. And he had went all the way down the mountain, spent his whole day going all the way down the mountain so that they could get us a Coca-Cola apiece. Remember the toys that they played with, the children played with, were bottle caps. They had learned to make things out of bottle caps and out of plastic um, bottles that they had found on the streets. Um... Most of all that we have, guys, think about this, are things that we have been blessed with that are supposed to make life easier. Is there anything with, with having more than what you need? Who gives it? Where does it come from? See, the responsibility we have is how we steward the resources that God has given us. To be thankful for what God has given us. There's not anything wrong. We don't have to keep up with the Joneses. But how do we steward the resources that God has given us? How do we use those resources so that we have an opportunity to bless others? 
so that we have an opportunity to encourage others, so that we have an opportunity to extend the gospel. That's why God blesses us. God doesn't bless us just so that we can go waste those things. I'm reminded of the passage in Matthew chapter 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. A paradox is something that sounds ridiculous, but how many times is it true? And in God's kingdom, how many paradoxes are, are there? It's in, it's in dying that we live. It's in giving that we gain. And it's logical to think that the more that we have, that the better that life will be, or the better, the more, the better we'll feel, the better off things will be. But in reality, how many times does the more that we have, does life become more cluttered and more complicated? Remember their life? And just like Cassie said, instead of owning stuff, that stuff can own us. So what did they decide to do to get rid of some of their stuff? Caleb said to me this morning, Dad, we just got to do a yard sale. We're going to do it next Saturday. Hold on, buddy. <sighs> Hold on. You know, doing a yard sale is a lot of work, isn't it? Sometimes it's just easier to give it away, isn't it? <laughs> you remember at the end of the, of the video, Megan asked Julia about how she got kicked out of her apartment. And Julia began to tell Megan about her past. Probably got a little bit of a thought of maybe what she used to do. Do you think that maybe Cassie is sitting there wondering, I wonder if it was a good move to invite her to come into the home? Do you think that there are tensions when we love people? that may have struggled or had difficulty? Do you not think that those that are struggling know that there are tensions? What do you think that Megan was learning from her parents? What do you think that little Megan was learning from her mom and dad? Compassion, not to judge, To do something. Do you remember the other the other side of the story was the family that walked outside when they were um, walked up when they were doing the yard sale. You remember the other the other family and the and the girl Megan what run out and she says, "Hey, you want to go see Julia?" And and uh, mom pulled her arm back. No, honey, um, they've got you know. What do you think she was learning? Maybe the last question is this, what do you think Ray was talking about when he said at the end of the video, perfect day, Frank, perfect day. I want you to go back to our passage of scripture in Matthew 19, that word perfect, teleos, mature and complete. When he was saying perfect day, perfect day, what do you think that Ray was saying to Frank? You're learning 
you're maturing, you're growing. How many of us are growing in this area? Watch this little video clip as we close out. A rich young man approaches Jesus in Matthew 19, and he asks what good thing he must do to gain eternal life. He was looking for another commandment, another rule in the rule book. But the heart of faith is not a rule book, but a relationship. So Jesus invited him to follow, but he knew what would prevent this rich young man from loving him with his whole heart. If you want to be perfect, sell your possessions and give to the poor, Jesus said, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. The rich young man had to surrender his love for the world before he could surrender himself to the love of God. That's paradox. In the kingdom of God, losing is gaining. Die in order to live. Lose and you shall find. Make do with less and you'll have more to give. Now I can't say I've ever owned a watchwinder, but I've owned things I didn't need, things I never should have owned in the first place. And sometimes you don't know what's really necessary until you spend some time in the company of the destitute. When you're surrounded by those who have nothing, your perspective on your possessions changes. Of course, things aren't inherently bad. Idols are. It's not things, but our love for them that gets in the way. That's why Jesus says, you cannot love both God and mammon. So the question to ask yourself is, does this gift cause you to love the giver and serve him even more? Or do you just love the gift? Something happens, something beautiful and liberating when you give your possessions away. What was secular becomes sacred. What was temporal becomes a gift of eternal worth. A watchwinder becomes an offering on the altar of God. Or a slew of things at a yard sale are transformed into resources to help someone who's hurting. Jesus is always asking us to let go of the things that hold us back from giving and following. So how can you simplify in order to give? What must you do in order to follow? Whatever the sacrifice is, it is a very small thing compared to the greatness of knowing Jesus. And we finished just like we did last week. What do you hear? What do you hear God saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? That's another one of those questions. Let go. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What do you hear his voice saying? Desire a relationship with him? What else is he saying to you? What's the purpose? What is it that you're holding on to that's hindering you from having that relationship? What is it that you've said, God, I'll do this, 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 and this, but I'm not going to do this. I'll give this, 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 and this, but I'm not going to give that. 
Less is more. What else are you hearing? See, I think the Lord's speaking to some of you. You're just afraid. What else are you hearing? Giving my time. Remove my wants. What else are you hearing? Has anybody had something that has come to the forefront today that you feel like the Lord has spoke to you? That you say, this is keeping me from having the relationship with him. See, it's keeping me from the fullness that I want to experience. It's not in all the things that we do. If you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. This doesn't really have a lot to do with this. It really isn't about possessions, is it? Yeah, I don't think it really is. It's really what has a hold of our heart. Because if, if he is on the throne, all the other stuff seems to take care of itself. I pray we'd be that type of people. I pray that we'd be able to let go of those things, release, and as a result, we would experience the fullness that God has for us. Last week we asked, who are you inviting to the table? This week, the question is for you to have to ask, God, what is it you want me to do this week? This one is not about your spouse and what she's doing. It's not about your neighbor. It's not about somebody else in your small group, what they're doing. This is about what God is asking you to do. If you don't know Jesus and have a personal relationship with him, I'd surely love to share him with you. Makes all the difference. It's the difference between the rich man's religion and the things that he did and the disciples and what they would eventually experience. Because in their experience, they eventually just wouldn't follow him, but eventually they would give their life for him, just as he gave their life for him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the power of a video and, and the teaching of Scripture for what we have heard today that has pricked our hearts. I pray we'd be able to examine, ask ourselves, Lord, what is it you're calling me to do? What is it you're wanting me to do? And to put those things into practice. To not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers. I do believe there's much more. And just as, just as Ray said to Frank, perfect day, perfect day. May this next week, may we become more mature and more perfect in our faith 
because of what you reveal to us and our obedience to you. If there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus, Father, would today even they come and ask me just that question, what is, would you tell me what it's like? Would you, would you tell me what it means to, to trust Christ? I want to know more. I want to know more. Father, I pray that as we leave, that we leave differently than what we came in, that as we leave, we leave as your ambassadors prepared and ready to go to battle, to live for you, to be your light. I pray for our team that is getting ready to leave for Nicaragua. Father, that as they go to build a well, that our efforts there would be much larger than any well. I pray that we'll bring clean water, but in the midst of that, Father, that we would bring living water to the people of Nicaragua. Thank you for the work of Rick and Mary and William, and I pray blessings on them, and Father, would you protect them while they're here in the States, and would you bless their ministry. Father, use us to have an impact in this community. I pray for our other churches here, Father, as we continue to work together, and I pray for our leadership within this community as it continues to change. May we constantly be asking that question, Lord, how do we love more generously this community in which we live, work, and play so that we, others may see Jesus in us, that they may come to know the one that we serve. Bless us now as we go, as we live out that heritage of faith in Jesus' name. Amen.